In uh, the last couple of weeks of this particular time of our series on the Psalms, uh, last week Les took us on a bit of a divergence into uh, Matthew or Mark, I can't remember now exactly which one, but it was a good talk. It was a good talk about the wheat and the weeds. I do remember that part of it. Uh, and just to remind me, we were talking about, uh, Les said before, next week for most of the time, uh, can we just pull that down a little bit please, Adam, that'd be great. Um, Next week, for most of the time, what we're going to be doing is uh, having you tell us your psalms uh, or your songs or your cries of the heart. Now, I've already got two of them. Uh, people have written them and put them together, and they're fantastic. Uh, and one of them, uh, Lynn Finance, I'll just point her out, uh, said that this isn't something that she normally does, but actually found it really quite uh, freeing and exhilarating in a sense and encouraging to, to write down her thoughts and her feelings towards God. Uh, so uh, try it. Give it a go this week. If you haven't tried it already, give it a go. Write it out. Put it down. You may not be a writer. Lynn said she's not a writer. That's not something that she does. Uh, but actually found it really quite a, a wonderful experience to, to put down on, on paper her, the cries of her heart, of how she's feeling towards God. So uh, write them down, put them down. Uh, if you want to read them, you can bring them and read them here. If uh, you want me to read them, then you need to send them to me. Uh, my email is on the end of the service sheet. Uh, most of you know it. Uh, send it to me and we'll read them next week. Uh, we'll be looking at Psalm 37 as part of that, but that will only be a little bit part as we look at what uh, God has been doing through you as you bring to us uh, the cries of your heart. Uh, so we're going to be looking at that next week. As we kick into this one, how about we pray? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, how great it is to look at your word, how great it is to look at the Psalms. Lord, as we uh, look into the Psalms, we uh, see you speaking to us, but also we feel us speaking back to you. Uh, Lord, all the emotions that we could possibly ever have are wrapped up in the Psalms uh, as people, as David, as others have expressed what's been going on in their lives and what they've been feeling in different times, Lord. And so we pray this morning as we look at uh, Psalm 32 together, Lord, that you'll uh, speak to us through it, uh, but in it we may also feel us speaking back to you. Uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Psalm 32. I want to ask you a question first. Uh, what is your happy song? Everything. What is the song that you sing that makes you happy? Is there a song that when it comes on the radio you go, yeah, that's mine? Or a song that you just have in the back of your head when you want to feel happy, you start singing it. Does anyone have a happy song? Yeah, it can move. It doesn't have to be one. It could be a number. It could be Heather. Oh, oh there you go. See? It's going to be a very sad song in a couple of weeks, but it's a really... Good song, uh, theme song to the football, that could be your one. Uh, we're the happy club at Hawthorne. So it even starts with happy in it, there you go. Um, you can have that, couldn't you? That could be your song that could make you really feel excited and happy. Uh, are there any other songs out there that... Uh, Jenny? When I'm sad, I like to sing, this is the day the Lord has made. Yeah. Yeah, it brings you up, doesn't it? it makes you happy. Uh, they're good songs, aren't they? There's different songs that we can have. I'm going to play the one very quickly that makes me happy at the moment. And uh, Adam's going to just click on it down there. We're going to watch 121 of this from the Trolls. I got this feeling inside my bones. It goes electric. 
I'm not sure what happened there, boys. Did you clip it forward? Hello. Hello, boys. I'm not sure what you did there, but all right. That's uh. <laughs> When you've got that feeling, you just want to dance, dance, dance. If Brody Allickson was here, I would have got him up the front because he can sing it from start to finish. He knows that song. It's a great song. It gives you a bit of a lift, makes you feel happy. And those other ones that are there, they do that for us. Well, the song that we have in Psalm 32, I reckon, is David's happy song. Uh, we're going to read it in, uh, and we're actually going to listen to it in just a moment. It's a song that they think, that's when David wrote this, was probably the happiest psalm. Uh, in its tenure of all the Psalms. So that's what we've called it, David's Happy Song. And what we're going to do today is when we have a look at it, we're going to actually listen to a group called the Sons of Korah. They're going to sing the first seven verses for us. Okay? So open up your Bibles. Uh, if you get the Psalms, it's almost in the middle of the Bible. Open up, flip it out. Uh, you'll find the Psalms are in the middle there. And if you find Psalm 32, Follow along with us because you're not going to see it on the screen today. You'll see it later, but not now. And we're going to listen to them sing it. And then we're going to get uh, Anne Marie's going to come up and finish the psalm for us. So they get to verse 7, then Anne Marie's going to go from verse 8 down to verse 11. You got it? Uh, so you can listen to it and follow along with it as they sing it to us. is he who is forgiven whose sins are covered blessed is he who sin the Lord won't count against him in whose spirit there is no deceit When I was silent, I wasted away through all my groaning every night and day. Your hand was heavy upon me, my strength was weakened as in the summer heat. I said I'll confess my sin to you And you forgave me the guilt of my sin So let everyone who is godly pray to 
You are my hiding place And you protect me And you surround me With redemption songs Redemption songs So reading on verses 8 to 11 <laughs> you just have to put up with my, my reading. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the man who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. Thanks, Anne-Marie. I thought you did pretty well. It's as good as the sons of Korah. Uh, it's a great psalm, isn't it? Uh, lovely psalm. And the very first couple of verses set the tone for it uh, by the word blessed. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Uh, the word blessed has a number of different meanings to it, uh, but here specifically we think that probably the best word for it is almost happy. Uh, it's a happiness that's not just a feeling or emotion, but it's an inward contentment, joy, a happiness that you have when you sit back after you've mowed the lawns and you've got a drink and you just look and it's just beautiful. You know, it's that contentment when you're looking out and you're seeing your kids playing and they're not fighting. It's, it's that sort of contentment. You know, there's contentment when you just sit back and you think, ah, oh, it's just right. Uh, that's what they're saying this word blessed is here. That's the happiness that David is expressing here because we believe that this happiness comes because David has done Psalm 51 before this. Does anyone know what Psalm 51 was about? Great psalm, if anyone knows what it is. Psalm 51 is the psalm that David wrote in response to when Nathan confronted him, Nathan the prophet confronted him about his adultery with Bathsheba, uh, when he organised for Bathsheba's husband to be killed and murdered him, and when he lied to all these people all around him. And Psalm 51 is his cry of anguish when he's confronted with that from David, from Nathan, and he expresses that. It's a wonderful psalm. If you ever want to read a wonderful psalm of confession and uh, expressing of how what's going on in David's life and him being convicted of what's been going on, Psalm 51 is the one. Uh, he says, Have mercy on me, God, in your goodness, in your abundant compassion. Blot out my offences. It's just one of the verses in Psalm 51. Uh, that's David's psalm of confession. That's when he was in the middle of this angst of feeling that he just committed murder, adultery, he lied. And then Psalm 32 is his expression of forgiveness. So Psalm 51, is, this is what he's done. And Psalm 32, this is what he's experienced after that. 
So Psalm 51, he's got that angst to the fact that he's sinned against man and God and that uh, built up. And then Psalm 32 is his experience of forgiveness. And that's why he's got that happiness. He says, this is the greatest joy you can ever have is to know that you're right with God, that you've been forgiven by him. And that's why he starts with that right at the beginning, doesn't he? He says, I've been forgiven. And he expresses to us three ways of understanding what sin is. Because David knows that sin is serious. In our world and even in our culture, and sometimes I think even in church culture, we tend to put sin to the side almost. We know we've been forgiven, but we tend to actually not even talk much more about it. But David knows that this is the reason for his great contentment is because he first of all understands what sin is and the forgiveness that comes after that. So he uses three words to explain what it is. If you look at that passage, he comes down uh, and he says there, he uses the word, the NIV that we just read uses only two examples of it, but there are actually three different words here. So first one is whose transgressions have been forgiven. That's the first word for sin. The second one is that our sins are covered. And the third sin actually has a slightly different meaning to the second one. Uh, Let me explain them what they are. So the first one is transgressions. It means that we have turned our back on God. It says, God, you might be king and ruler of all, but I've decided to go this way. I've turned my back on God. That's what the picture is. Transgressions means that you've actually you've turned around and said, I'm going to go this way. I'm going to live my life this way. God, you might be there, but I don't care. I'm going to go and do this. We do that a lot, don't we? Well, we might just turn side on a little bit and think, oh, God, I'll, maybe I'll hold a little bit towards you, but not everything. I'll go side on towards you, or we just completely turn, don't we? Say, God, I know this is what you want me to do, but this is what I'm going to do. We head off and we go and do it. The second one is, uh, the word for sin is called missing the mark. It's a picture of someone having an arrow and shooting it and missing the target. Uh, That is that we miss the mark in our lives, don't we? We don't live the life that God wants us to live. We miss the mark. We're not perfect. The idea of living the way that God would want us to live is the perfect life of Jesus and none of us hit that mark, do we? We're not too bad, are we? We're not as bad as the bloke, you know, Kim Jong-un. I'm not as bad as him. We try and favour, oh, you know, that person down the corner there at the street. I'm not quite as bad as him. No, no, no. We all miss the mark, don't we? When the mark is Jesus, we all miss it. We turn our backs. We don't live the life that God wants us to live. That's what the second one is. And the third one means living a crooked life. Ah, spec savers might have been helpful for the person who did this line, mightn't it? Might have been really helpful. Uh, But it means that we live a crooked life, that we're internally crooked, that actually we have a bias in us that wants to take us away than what God wants, and we live this crooked life. We keep doing this in our lives. There's times when we do try to do the right things, then we we go over here. It's this sense of going crooked in our lives. And David says all of that is what's wrapped up in the word sin, in our rebellion against God. And all of us are guilty of that, aren't we? None of us miss out on that. It's serious. 
Sometimes I think we try to justify it, don't we? Sometimes we think the same, well, did God really say that? Who said that right back in the beginning? Well, someone said it to Eve, didn't they? Satan said it to Eve. Did God really say that? That's a great deception. That's a great deception that happens to all of us. Did God really say that? Oh, no, maybe he meant, you know, just come around. Maybe he meant, well, you could eat this apple, but you're not really going to die straight away, are you? Oh, maybe you could live this way. It's going to be okay, isn't it? You could live this way, but does God tell us, no, that's not the way to live? Or do we just say, oh, you know, well, everyone sins. It's not really a biggie. We're all in that category. It's okay. We're all like that. David says, no, doesn't he? He says, these things basically break down. Sin kills, if you saw in that Songs of Korah. It kills relationships. It kills your relationship with God. It kills your relationship with others. And it kills your relationship with yourself. It eats away at you, doesn't it? And that's what David says. He says it eats away at you. And it's serious. And you want to know why it's so serious? That's why it's so serious. You see, God takes it seriously. He takes it so seriously that he sends Jesus to die for it. You know, if sin wasn't really that serious, if sin wasn't really a biggie, if it wasn't really something that was matter, why on earth would God send his one and only son, the one that he loves the most, to take on death and die why? That's a really cruel God if it's not serious, isn't it? If sin doesn't break our relationship with God, if sin doesn't destroy this world, if sin isn't the big problem in this world, then Jesus' death on the cross is a very cruel hoax. You see, we often think about the world, don't we? think, well, money's the problem with this world, sex is the problem with this world, uh, politicians are the problem with this world. We, we go around here and aim at all these things are the problem in this world, but you know, the problem with this world is sin. And the problem with this world is that sin's in us. And it needs to be dealt with. And it's serious. And that's why God sent his son, Jesus. Because at the cross that we find that forgiveness. And sin is serious and it does eat away. And David says it eat, even eat it away at himself. And he's, he feels David's torment in this, don't you? Look at verses 3 and 4. David says, that, look, when I kept silent, when I hid it, when I didn't talk about it, when I just tried to cover it up and pretend it's not so bad, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For the day and night your hand was heavy on my way, strength was sapped. David was saying actually it was taking a toll on him physically. Remember, this is a response to Psalm 51. He's talking specifically about what happened with Bathsheba and Uriah and his lying and his deceit. He's saying that he tried to cover that up and it was destroying him from the inside out. It was ripping him apart. Sometimes sin has health consequences. And don't get me wrong, the Bible doesn't say 
if you sin, then you're going to have health consequences. It's not that it's not that tied, that simple to it. But sometimes it does. There are times when what we've done just eats us from the inside out. Generally what happens in the world and the health that happens in the world is because the world's broken in general, not because of a specific sin that we're doing. But every now and then it does. And David says this one was ripping him apart on the inside. He was feeling it happening to him physically. It was ripping him apart. Because you see, David was being like he was in verse 9. In verse 9, if you flip across, it says, doesn't it? Do not be like that horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by the bit or bridle, or they will not come to you. He was being stubborn as an ass, is what David was being. Have you ever tried to move an ass or a donkey who doesn't want to move? Donkey who wants to move, that's okay, but a donkey who doesn't want to move, it's It's almost impossible, isn't it? And David was saying that's what he was being like. He was trying to hold it in. He was trying to keep it to himself. He was trying to make sure no one else saw what was happening to him, that no one else knew what was going on. And so how did David cover up first when he had the relationship with Bathsheba? First thing he thought, I'll cover this up. I'll get Uriah, her husband, to come home because if he sleeps with her and she's pregnant, then I'm not in trouble. He brings Uriah home, but Uriah, he's a very righteous guy. He says, I'm not sleeping with my wife. All the other guys are out fighting. I'm going to stay here and not do that. Now, that is a strong man. He's been away for months. He says, I'm not having sex with my wife because my mates aren't. They're out there fighting. He's a really good guy, isn't he? Or stupid. No, he's a really good guy, (laughs) isn't he? He's saying, look, I'm not going to do that. And so David said, oh, stuff, I couldn't cover it up that way. All right, I'm going to cover up the next way. I'm going to put Uriah, I'm going to tell people to leave him at the front so that he's the only one in front of all these armies as they come at him and he'll get killed. I'll cover it up that way. Okay, Uriah gets killed. David thinks I've covered up. I've covered up again. I've lied to these people. I've done that. And then Nathan comes and speaks to him and pulls the covers off him. He was being stubborn as a mule, wasn't he? He was keep trying to cover. And we do that, don't we? We lie to cover one other thing. We lie to cover another thing. We lie to cover another thing. And just piles on and piles on and piles on. And it destroys. Got to think about that, don't we? Are you covering up? Are you trying to push it to the side and keep it over there and oh, no, 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 it's not too bad, or you're trying to cover up other things, you're putting other things in the way, you know, you're placing other things in front. Maybe you're doing things in the dark, maybe you're doing things when you're away from other people, maybe you're thinking that if I can keep it back here and behind here, I'm going to be okay. Well, it destroys. Sin always destroys. And David knows that. So David confesses, does he? David says, the cover-up is gone. I'm going to open this out and I'm going to see what happens. Look what he says in verse 5. He says, then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. So David does two things here. He recognises it, he sees it, and then he confesses it. 
His head gets it and his heart lays it out. His head and his heart work together. They become friends and they do a selfie with each other. It's this picture, so you know, because we can see that sometimes our head can recognise it, but it doesn't get to hear. But David says both our heads and our heart need to be in this together. And so he recognises it. He says, I've recognised that I have done wrong. I've recognised that I've transgressed against you. He uses the same three words from verses 1 to 2 in verses 5 and 6. The same three words are there. He says, in my turning back against you, God, in my rebellion from you, Lord, in my crooked ways, Lord, in my missing my mark of living for you, Lord, I uncover it, I pull the sheets off, I lift the lid, I lay it all before you, Lord. Now, that's pretty freaky, isn't it? That can be pretty scary and we can be very vulnerable when we do that. But, you know, God knows it anyway. It's funny, isn't it? We think we can cover it up on him. We think we can hide it from him. We think we can pull the sheet over and we're not going to notice. God's seen it anyway. God knows it anyway. But as we try to cover it up, that's when it eats us. But as we lay it there and we put it before God and we put it out there, we recognise it and then we confess it. We speak of it to God. We actually... Talk to him about it. Pray to him. There is a wonderful promise at the end of this verse, isn't it? I'll confess my transgressions to the Lord. Look what he says after that. Therefore let all the faithful pray to you while you can still be found. Have you done that? Have you spoken that to God? Have you recognised? Has your head seen what's going on in your life and your head and your heart come together and you've laid it bare before him? This is what David says, when God can be found. Don't leave it too late. There's going to be a time frame. David knows there's a time frame when it is too late. He says, but lay it before him now. Now, I don't know where you're all at with all that. Some of you may be here today and checking out Christianity and thinking about it. Well, here is an opportunity. God says to you, lay it before him now. Don't cover up. Don't try and pretend. Be real with him. Let him know what's going on in your life and confess to him today. If you're here and you've done that before and you've given your life over to God and you've laid it before him and you know what it is to live for Jesus, but you're still trying to cover up aspects you're still trying to keep a little bit to the side. You're still doing some stuff in the background that you think, well, God won't find out about that. No one else will find out about that. I can just keep that behind you. David says to you this morning, open it up, confess it, pray to him today. Don't keep it in the dark. Bring it into the light. Because what does he say? And you forgave the guilt of my sin. They are six or seven beautiful words, aren't they? 
and you forgave the guilt of my sin. You've not only forgiven us, you've not only wiped me clean, but you've removed the guilt. No longer is David being churned up on the inside. No longer is he being eaten up on the inside. No longer are his bones feeling like they're wasting away. He's been released of that guilt. If you've never done it before, David says, come today and pray and confess. If you've done that before, but you've tried to hide it now, he says, come today and pray and confess. Lay it all before him, because forgiveness is yours in that. I'm going to take a moment now to stop. I'm going to give you a moment to be quiet, a moment for you to pray, to open up before him. And then we'll come back and finish off this psalm together. Let's just take a moment to do that before our loving, forgiving Father. What a wonderful Heavenly Father we do have who gives us forgiveness and he promises that forgiveness to us and David expresses his great joy in that. Uh, that's why he's so happy, because he knows the joy of forgiveness. He knows that this forgiveness brings him release and brings him freedom. And he praises God for that. Uh, that's what that bless means. That's why he has that happiness, that contentment. That's why he sits in joy, because he knows that in God he has been forgiven. His transgressions have been forgiven. His sins are covered. Once he's uncovered, God covers them and takes them. His sins have been dealt with and not counted against him. No longer does he stand before God and has a list of things against him. He's been forgiven. They've been wiped clean. They've been taken away. And you and I know even more than David knows. David is looking forward to this. David is looking for this fact that this is going to happen down the track. But you and I know that in Jesus this happens for us in him. When you get to Romans chapter 4, go home and read that because this verse is quoted in the middle of Romans 4. And in Romans 4, Paul explains the great freedom that we have in Jesus. And he expresses this joy with this psalm. That's in Jesus our transgressions have been forgiven. It's in Jesus our sins are covered. It's in Jesus that they're no longer counted against us. He is the one that sets us free because forgiveness brings freedom. That's the great cry that David has here. It's the great cry that we have in Jesus on the cross. He says, it is finished. You have been set free to live for him because your sins have been covered, your sins have been taken away, your guilt has been removed. That's got to bring great joy to us. I think sometimes as Christians, we hear that so often that we forget the joy that it brings that we hear it so often that we say, oh, yeah, that's what Jesus has done for us. Great. Okay, let's go and continue on and do whatever we're doing. Now, this is huge, guys. Nothing else will set you free. Only Jesus does it. Because nothing else deals with the greatest problem in this world and the greatest problem in you. Only Him. And Him alone. It's going to send wonderful shivers through your spine, I reckon. It's going to give you that great joy that you can go on and live for him. Because that's what Jesus does at the cross for us. And what happens, David goes on and he praises God. In the next couple of verses he says, 
because you've done that, you've set me free, you've taken away my guilt, you will be my hiding place. You are now my happy place. This is my happy song, but you're, God, you're my happy place. You're the one who will protect me. You're the one who will instruct me. You're the one who will teach me. You will set my feet on the right paths. You're the one that's going to take me forward with your loving eye on me. You see, this is a loving God who lovingly forgives, who graciously forgives, who mercifully forgives, who wonderfully loves us and wants us to live for him, to live in praise for him in everything that we do. Because forgiveness brings freedom. Our happy song. This is our happy song, guys. Of all the songs that we sing, of all those things that we have, this is our happy song. This is a song that God puts in our hearts that we've been forgiven. Our transgressions have been forgiven. Our sins have been covered. Our guilt has been taken away. That's the song that's going on in the head of David as he writes this psalm and he sings it out in praise. It's a song that can go on in our hearts and our lives as well. Because that's what David says right at the end, doesn't he? In verse 11 he says, Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. He says, this should give you the joy that goes on to sing praises for him. Now, not all of us have got great voices, but he says all of us to sing. Anne-Marie doesn't think she's got a great voice, but she reads pretty well. But that's the sense, isn't it? It's surprising. It's this idea that our whole lives come to praise him. This has got to be our happy song. Psalm 32. We are blessed. We are happy. Why? Because God is a gracious God, a merciful God who forgives us our sins. When we come to him in prayer and pray and confess and uncover ourselves before him and lay our lives before him. As we lay our lives before him, then he removes that guilt. He takes that away from us. He gives us joy, deep joy, deep happiness in our lives. He guides us. He protects us. He leads us. He loves us. So that you and I can go on and live a life of freedom in him. Live a life of praise to him. Live a life where we don't need to cover up anymore, but we can be open and honest with him and with others because we've been set free by Jesus. That's got to be our happy song, guys. I pray that it is. I pray that whatever songs, else go, songs go on in your head, this Psalm 30 will come back to you. Blessed are those whose transgressions have been forgiven. Blessed are those whose sins have been covered. Blessed are those who the guilt of sin has been removed all because of Jesus. Let's go out and sing and live lives of praises, of deep happiness because of what God has done for us in Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, sometimes I think, Lord, we take for granted just how phenomenal it is that you have covered our sins, that you have forgiven our sins, that you have removed the guilt of our sins, that you have set us free from our sin. All in Jesus. 
Heavenly Father, please ignite us, ignite us in our hearts, ignite us through your spirit, Lord, uh, to know that afresh, to know that anew. Uh, if we haven't known it before, Lord, that we'll know it today. If we've learned and known that before, Lord, that this will be set alight and a fire in our hearts, Lord. That we won't take it for granted, that we won't just sit back on this, Lord, but we will be excited and happy and content and joyous and set free for you, Lord, to live for you to know that you are our safe place, to know that you will protect us, to know that you will lead and guide us, to know, Lord, that you will bring us into eternity with you forever. All because that we are forgiven in Jesus, Lord. Lord, may that bring us great happiness and great joy today and for the rest of our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.